Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. Well, that uh, song hits a little different today, doesn't it? I mean, we are ready to go for sure. Are we? Are we ready to go? I mean, I'm still seeing lots. And it's understandable, right? I mean, everybody's wondering, asking, situation, um, status, game, location, time, all that kind of stuff. So as I just sip on my coffee, it's nice to kind of just kind of relax have the calm before the storm, literally and figuratively here, right? On the Extra Point Show. Because that's what it is. We've got a big storm coming. And it's going to be here. And we're going to deal with it. And there's going to be a football game played. Now, to the level of changing game location, changing game time, changing anything, there has been nothing we have heard in that regard. I just want to make that clear. I, I, I don't know. I mean, people say, is it possible? Could they? What if something changes? Hey, man, I, I am not the NFL. I am not the Bills. And by the way, the NFL would make that call. I am not the local authorities here. All I could tell you is from every person we've talked to, that I've talked to, even through the NFL, there has been no change and they haven't discussed moving the game. I would think proper protocol would always be to notify other locations, hey, just in case something were to happen. But that hasn't been the case here, that they've advanced to any sort of level. And here we are already in a Friday. So the way I look at it is, like this, everybody, okay? This is going to be a bad weather game. It's not four or five feet of snow with a paralyzed region that you absolutely cannot travel anywhere. And people are taking snowmobiles to get in and out of the area. We have played football games in bad, bad weather before. And that's what's going to happen. Sunday at 1 o'clock at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. That's my read on this. I have heard nothing different. Yesterday, because of a report from a radio station in Pittsburgh, it sent a lot of us in this industry into kind of a, okay, let's chase this down mode. First thing I did was text an NFL spokesperson who got immediately back to me. I said, here's the tweet. This is what I did. I sent the tweet. 
that you probably already know by now from Andrew Filipponi, who was on the station yesterday. But Andrew was actually citing a news station in Pittsburgh. I think their sister station over there. Um, but anyway, he his tweet was citing the news station. He wasn't reporting it. He was giving the report of what they said. I said, here's the tweet. It said, Cleveland's been told to, you know, be ready. The wording, specific wording I got back from the NFL was, first two words, not true. Those are the first two words. The next sentence said, there's been no change in game in the game's status. Now, that raises question of, what do you mean there's no change? Does that mean there could be a change? So, immediately upon that, maybe within the next half hour, other media members in Buffalo also were getting on the same kind of um, you know, reporting and figuring it out and talking to people. And you had several people, including Matt Bove of WKBW and Adam Benini of WGRZ, who basically had the same info I did, but even added more and said there's been no discussion of that from the people they talked to, the person they talked to. So I just want to rewind and tell everybody where we are. Okay? Now, all that said, the best source every Friday to get exactly what's going to happen timing-wise as it relates to a football game is right here on the Extra Point Show at 11.30 a.m. when I have Patrick Hammer on from WGRZ TV2, Chief Meteorologist. That's the standard every Friday. We've been doing it for a couple of years. So make sure you're tuned in for that. It is a Buffalo football Friday. Sal Capaccio here with you on the Extra Point Show. Welcome in. It's presented by Topps Markets. Score big savings and elevate your food game. We're going to talk with Paul Hamilton at 1030. And I know it's a Buffalo football Friday, but sometimes we have Paul on to talk a little hockey because yesterday the Sabres had a nice win. They had a nice win over the Ottawa Senators. Um, They got a a little scary there in the third period, but they held on. They won the game. Still still a ways back, but trying to do their best to climb out of it a little bit and climb up the ladder, as I believe uh, Dan Dunleavy said right after the game, climbing up the ladder, right? So that's what they're, they're trying to do. And because the Sabres have a game tomorrow at home. Is that, wait, uh, Josh, is that an afternoon game? I think tomorrow is tomorrow an afternoon game it against the Canucks? It is a 4 p.m. faceoff. 4 p.m., there you go. See, I, I thought, I didn't know it was, I was kind of, I was hedging my bets there. I didn't know if it was 12, 1, or 7, but it's 4. It's right in between. So t- tomorrow, 4 p.m. So because of that and because of the weather coming, we also want to check in with Paul and make sure there's been nothing that he's heard about anything like that, which I imagine is not the case. But we'll look ahead to tomorrow night's tomorrow evening's game, matinee, I guess, um, and last night. We'll do that at 1030. Of course, just after 11 o'clock, as always on a Friday, we will have... Sean McDermott, Bill's head coach. There's a lot to get to on with Sean today, um, mainly the injuries, right? But I'll ask Sean, has he heard anything from his organization, from the NFL, about game status, game time, game location, anything? I'll ask that to Sean. I don't know what he's going to say, but like I said, anything, any person that I've talked to, and even unprompted, a lot of times, what will happen in these situations is, I don't even have to reach out to anybody. You might get somebody who tells you, hey, just so you know, this is happening. I haven't had any of that. As far as I know, none of my colleagues have. I mean, they, they haven't reported it. Unless it's something going on right now that I haven't seen in the last nine minutes since I haven't been on Twitter slash X. So if that happens, we'll let you know immediately and as soon as possible. And of course, we'll get Sean McDermott's you know thoughts on the, in his in, in update on the injury. We'll get clarification on that if there's any sort of change that he's heard about or contingency. And then we'll talk about the game in the snow, in the wind against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
the divisional round in the AFC playoffs. And I have to be honest with you, just like a lot of you probably, I'm pretty nervous about the weather and the impact it's going to have on this game because it is truly the ultimate equalizer. I always say that. And I know that the Bills have Josh Allen. And Allen can be a separator when it comes to wind and weather versus other quarterbacks in the league. And honestly, isn't this why you drafted him? That's what we were told. When the Bills drafted Josh Allen, it was said, hey, this guy in in January, games in January, like he'll be able to thrive and, and throw the ball or whatever the wording was. You know what I mean? That's that's why this guy's here. Part of it, you know, he's not weak armed guy. That's for sure. There's a guy that can rifle it and throw it through wind. We saw that in the 21 game at home against the New England Patriots. It should have been even earlier in the game they were throwing the ball. Then they realized, you know what? We got a guy who can do this. Let's do it. And Josh did just fine in that game throwing the ball. Not perfect, but they didn't limit him to the three. And you have that as a separator against Mason Rudolph, who has a good enough arm, but not that kind of arm, of course. But man, I just worry about the footing. We saw that as an issue last year against the Bengals. I worry about the ball and security. That doesn't have to mean interceptions, but yeah, it could come out of your hand wrong. It could be a deflection. A receiver might get it off his hands, off his chest. And of course, just holding on to the ball. And guys ripping it out and being a wet ball and a slick ball in the wind and uh, you know wet snow, whatever. Those are the things I worry about because all it takes is one mistake to not go your way. To go, you know, if you're the Steelers, to go their way, right? One mistake to go to the Steelers' way, and bam, you're down, you know, 10-0, let's say. And now you got to play catch-up in that weather. The preferred option is somehow get up 10-0 and force that team to have to play a little differently. And I think you're okay. If, if it's 10-0 Bills, second quarter, I'm feeling really good. If it's 10-0 Steelers, I am not feeling good at all. But I know at least I have a chance with Josh Allen and the way he plays, and you never know what can happen here. Special teams also. Special teams. Wind, slickness of the ball, footing. Those are really big deals. And we have seen this team, the Bills, give up a few long returns this year. Punt returns, kickoff returns. Saw the Patriots return an opening kickoff for a touchdown. But we also saw the Bills last week have a punt return of their own for a touchdown, of course. You know what else we saw? Opening game of 2021 here at Highmark Stadium. Former Bills special teams coordinator Danny Smith, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, dials up a block. There's a block punt, goes for a touchdown against the Bills. Those are the kinds of things that I get a little scared about when it comes to the Bills this weekend. But then I remember, the other team's got to play in it too. And there's just as much of a chance for them to make a mistake. And the Bills to capitalize. And the Bills are the better team. And if you're going to have one team capitalize on mistakes, it's probably the better team. I don't know. That's what I say. And again, there's the Josh Allen point. So those are the things I think about when I think about this game on Sunday. I'm wondering what you think. Here's your chance. Chime in. Bill Steelers, what are you thinking? 803-0550 is the number. Also, how about some weather games you've attended? Like, tell, tell me a story or two. It doesn't have to be... A couple of weeks ago, we did like a story about something and some people called and they had like five minute stories. Okay. I mean, but we got other callers on the line too. But if you could call in and give me a, a brief description of maybe a really, an inc- a, it doesn't have to be football, by the way. It could be like a weather event in, in any sport. It could be baseball, right? I mean, 
you're watching it, and yeah, it's supposed to be the, the rain's coming. Maybe it's going to get rained out. You're waiting till the end. I don't know. It could be a soccer match. Playing, watching as a fan in the stands especially, give me a weather memory. There's been several here, of course, right? One of the best weather memories I ever have had. 1990, January of 91. I think it might have been, I think it was January by then. But anyway, a lot of you will remember before 51 to 3, the game before 51 to 3, Bills Dolphins in the snow, Marino Kelly 44 34, outstanding game in the snow, back and forth, 78 points scored. Crazy. That was a good weather game because the snow was on the ground, it was weather. I don't remember the wind, what it was like. I was a senior in high school, right? And then, of course, 2017. 2017 is the game that will, for me, be you know embedded in the brain of the snow game. That's the snow game against the you know Indianapolis Colts when it started off. I have a picture. I have pictures on my phone. It's totally clear turf, green, and then by by kickoff, that's pregame and hour or two before pregame. By kickoff, it's covered in snow. You can't see anything. Murph's literally asking me on the field what yard line I'm on. It's amazing, and I could hardly see anything. So that game after that game. I decided that if there's ever going to be a game like that that we think, I'm going to wear ski goggles. I literally went out and bought ski goggles just in case. Well, guess what happened? Last year in Chicago, no snow. The wind and the cold was so frigid in Chicago that when it was the storm here, the Christmas storm here, the Bills are playing in Chicago Christmas Eve. And it was so cold, so bitterly cold, so windy. And the, 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 the wind is hitting everybody's eyes. I couldn't see anything. So I had the ski goggles. I brought them. I wore them. And I remember wearing the ski goggles. That game was so, it helped me so much. I got to wear them again this Sunday, I think. It really was a difference. And then you remember Chad Hall on the sidelines wearing his, a couple other coaches wearing ski goggles on the sidelines. I wasn't the only one. But they worked. 803-0550. Let's uh, get to the phone lines now. Let's start off with Jim in Rochester. Hi, Jim. You're on the Extra Point Show. What's up? Hi, Sal. Love the show. Um, Thank you. I got a quick uh Quick weather one since you brought it up. I was at the Raiders yeah. Bills playoff game when Tasker brought back that kickoff, and that was like negative thirty two or something. Uh, but yes. I went and got two hot chocolates for me and my brother, and by the time I got them to the seats, they were frozen. <laughs> I've never seen anything. Yes, like. I love that story. Um, I think I heard. I heard. Hold on now, wait, Jim. I I think I heard a similar story on the radio broadcast. Might have been Murph, maybe Van, whoever had hot chocolate in the booth and it got and it, and it froze on them. Yeah, I got a quick stat of the day for you. Yeah. Now these are um, the top six quarterbacks all time in yardage through their first full six seasons. Josh Allen has thirty nine fewer interceptions than Peyton Manning, thirty two fewer than Dan Marino, twenty five fewer than John Elway. 22 fewer than Brett Favre, 11 fewer than Drew Brees, and to cap it off, yes, seven fewer than the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. Everybody, you know the rest. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got it, Jim. Thanks for the call. I want to remind her. It's a great stat, but I do want to remind everybody. I always say this, right? You can't compare today's football to then. Now, Brady's actually the one, I think, because... He played more recently than a lot of the other guys you talked about. Drew Brees, I guess, too. But you can't really compare now. you got to compare it to the contemporaries. But you're right. There's a lot made of it. And you know what those guys also wound up doing? Throwing a lot of touchdown passes throughout their career. And Josh has done that as well. It's a good stat. 
I always caution against comparing to 30 and 40 years ago. The game is much different, but I thank you for that. Let's go to Steve in Lewiston. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you doing? Um, Good, so thanks. Colin, I think there's a little bit of Bill's PTSD here. Uh, it's a, we're a 10-point favorite, 9.5, depending on the book. Uh, we've had four double-digit favorites this year. We've won them all. Uh, we didn't cover the spread, but we won them all. Um, I feel like people are just worried that how are the Bills going to drop this one because um, of how mm-hmm. we – the difficulty getting here. Um, so I think the Bills win handily 31-10 Buffalo. All right. I like it. I like the prediction. Let's, uh, let's hope you're right, and we're here on uh, next Friday talking about another game. Tom in Buffalo, what's up, buddy? Yeah, so uh, thank you for taking my call. I remember seeing you at the scrimmage. I think it was over the summer, summer of the whatever it was. But uh, I'm more concerned about the coaching than I am the weather and all that. That's all I have. Okay, what concerns you? Okay, well, he dropped off, but thank you. Appreciate meeting you at the scrimmage. Uh, Uncle Junior. All right, Uncle June. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, how you doing, Sal? Lifetime listener, uh, first-time caller here. I'm here with my nephew, Mark. Hey. Uh, you know, I just wanted to comment a little bit. I'm seeing some posts around, uh, you know, Facebook and uh, everywhere else about this game possibly being moved. And, you know, this is part of Buffalo. You know, this is who we are. Uh, I'm not worried about the weather too much. I think Josh gets it done no matter what. Uh, he's our savior here. Uh, I got the Bills up 31-10. They take Josh out in the third quarter. No big deal. Thanks, Sal. Appreciate your goal, Bills, as always. (laughs) I would love – yeah, thank you, Uncle June. I would love that. Cruise into victory, and I'd be like, all right, you know, just uh, let's get out of here, move on to next week, and get warm. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do, right? Um, My goal last year, by the way, go to the Chicago game on the field at Soldier Field Chicago. It was so cold. (laughs) The wind was so bad. And I said to myself, my goal today is do not leave this field until, like, except for halftime when I always leave and go in and recharge and get my batteries all set and all that with the equipment. And I didn't, man. I was so proud of myself just for staying on that field the whole game, right? It was, it was bad. It was bad. They do have those heaters on the sidelines. This will be different, though. This will be the, the blowing snow. I do, I agree with the caller who said a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of like a PTSD, as he called it, but, you know, people just remembering, look, I, here's the way I want to say it. We've had two games moved in eight years, 2014, 2022. Because any game was moved, it becomes a thing now. Oh, they might move the game, might move the game, might move the game. Again, let's remember why those games were moved. Feet and feet and feet of snow prior to the game leading up to it. Not snow during the game and maybe a foot, two feet, right? We're talking about four, five feet, six feet last year. That's those kinds of things is what we're talking about. That's not the case here. This will be bad. But that's not the case. But people bring it up, I think, so much easier because they've seen it happen before. Until then, it had never really happened in Buffalo, 2014, to my knowledge, you know, moving a game like that. Uh, let's go to Harry up in Canada. Hi, Harry. Hey, good morning, Sal. Um, well, look, real quick, I think this is going to be a, a Josh and playoff Lenny game. A lot of running, um, ugly, but we'll take it. Um, I do have a quick weather game. I, I, I was just talking to the screener. I can't remember. It was a few years back, probably four or five years ago. Very windy game. We were at the tailgate. We tried setting up our, our tent. Forget about it. Then we decided, then we just went back in the truck, hung out, had our crown royal in front of us. And lo and behold, doesn't a, uh, a barbecue go flying across Abbott Road right over. We're at Sheldon and Abbott. Doesn't a barbecue come flying across the road? And we're like, yeah, this is <laughs> Buffalo, baby. We love it. 
<sighs> All right, man. Yeah, the tents, right? The tents. I think about that. Be careful with the tents tomorrow or Sunday, I should say. You're putting a tent up. Tents are flying around, man. You got to be careful. It's the wind there. Hey, do the ski goggles, though. If you don't have them, go. go. I'm going to – I any sporting goods store today, I'm about to give you, like, extra revenue. Go buy ski goggles if you're going to the game. I'm telling you, it helps in the stands. You already know this. I, I did it, like I said, last year. I realized after that 17 game, I got to try and do this, help my eyes see the field, and it worked so well. So just helping all you uh, – all the fans also helping the <laughs> the revenue of the uh, sporting goods stores out there today. Sam in Akron. What's going on, Sam? Hey, Sal. How's it going? Big-time fan. Good, thanks, buddy. time caller. Planning on going to the game. Not looking forward to the weather, but I'm looking forward to seeing the Bills win. And it brings back the reason I'm not looking forward to it. It brings back a game I went to with uh, New England and Buffalo. Rob Johnson started. The weather was terrible. There was ice crystals coming out of the sky, hitting you in your eyeballs. And Johnson went down with an injury, and everybody in, <laughs> ashamedly, everybody in the stands went wild because that meant Flutie was coming in. And uh, we were leading the game when we left, and by the time I got home, we lost. I think Is that the game where the goalposts were, like, sideways? I don't really remember. I just remember getting home and finding out that uh, Vinatieri kicked the winning yeah. field goal. But uh, yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah, the Bills are gonna I think the Bills are gonna handle these guys, and uh, I also appreciate that you interrupt your football Friday to talk about the Sabers because you know I think Gr needs to push that envelope a little bit more than they do. Although they need to make us cheer more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we do have a Saber show for every, every one hour a day here, you know, dedicated to them, and I hope you listen to that, Sam. But I I appreciate your sentiment. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Good luck tomorrow. You got it. Yep, you got it. Thank you very much. Let's go to Derek. In Florida. What's up, Derek? Hey, man. Hey, Sal, man. First time caller. Love your show, man. All right, hey, buddy. Uh, Thank you. I heard, I heard you. Sir? Go ahead. You're on the air, yep. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I heard you this morning because I was uh, traveling from a job. I work at night, and I was traveling home. But, uh, what, what? I mean, what are your thoughts about the elevation rule? I mean, I know you said you can only elevate two two players. I mean, would you rather have, you know, three running backs or four wide receivers? Because to me, you know, like you said, and what I've heard, you know, and I, I mean, I was there for the uh, New England game. I flew up there because my mom lives in Niagara Falls. I was there for the New England windy game. I mean, that was the probably the worst game I ever went to in my life, but it was fun. It was great. And uh, but I just don't. I just, I I don't. I I like the four wide receivers, but. Well, here, here's here's let me boil it down to this for you, Derek, and I'll help you out a little bit. It's just a reference because it's a great question. And what I said this morning is they can only elevate two guys. Now, with Gabe Davis most likely being out, I think we'll probably find that out. We'll see. That only gives you four healthy wide receivers, Diggs, Hardy, Sherfield, and Shakir on the active roster. So if you want to replace Gabe, you'll probably elevate Andy Isabella. There's one of your elevations. At the same time, you're probably going to elevate Leonard Fournette because – he now has become the guy that you want, you know, for short yardage. He's also a guy that, you know, can help in weather like this. So those would be your two. I think the fly in the ointment here is, though, Tyrell Dodson, what his situation is, because A.J. Klein was just signed to the practice squad. If they're going to elevate A.J. Klein, then you have to make a decision on one of the other two at the other two positions. So I don't know which way you want to go. And that, I think, is what we're looking at here. It might be a decision between a linebacker, the running back for net and a wide receiver. And in that case, because of the game and the way it's going to be played, maybe you only go with four healthy wide receivers, but that's also tricky. 
Yes, sir. And then my my other thing is is are you are you scared of anything? Is anybody? I mean, not scared. I shouldn't put that word out there. Right. But worried about anybody on defense because you know Rasheed Douglas. I mean, I, he hasn't been cleared yet, right? I mean, I know he was. I know you said he was limited in practice. I mean, do you? Do you go one offensive player, maybe one defensive player? I mean, no. Here, here's why you wouldn't do that. And I know that he hasn't had the best year, but you're already set there, uh, Derek, because you have Kyrie Elam, who's been inactive every week, but he's on the roster. You don't have to elevate anybody for that. So if Rasul Douglas is out, my assumption would be you would just make Kyrie Elam active, and the numbers would be the same. Correct. Okay. Thank you so much, Sam. Man, I, I was trying to get that through my head, you know, because I didn't know, yep. you know, whether you want to have three running backs or. Full wide receivers. I don't understand it. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I think they'll have three running backs. It'll be Cook. It'll be um, Fournette and Johnson, I guess. But we'll see about Johnson. He's progressing through the protocol. I think the question is, if you do do that and elevate Fournette, what happens at wide receiver and tight end? I, th- I mean, I'm sorry, linebacker. I think um, those are the two that you're looking at, Derek. So it's a good question, and we'll see how it goes uh, throughout the weekend. All right. Thank you so much, Dale. Have a great day, man. And y'all be y'all. y'all Wear your ski goggles, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but he's down there in Florida. He's like, hey, what's going on up there? Wear your ski goggles. Be safe. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate you listening down there. We'll have Paul Hamilton when we come back. Sabres win last night over the Ottawa Senators. It's big because every game they need to play, every game they play, they need to win right now. They need points in every game, and they need to get two every single game, considering the spot they're in. And they have a game 4 p.m. tomorrow at home here with the weather. We'll check in with Paul on all of that next on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Right now, though, it is time to take a break, and we'll be back in a snap. Brought to you by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Takes a look. Tage Thompson over at the left circle. 29 seconds to go. Scores! Back-to-back darts by TNT. And Tage Thompson has given Buffalo a 3-1 lead with the power play goal. Sounds like it was a nice night down at the arena last night. I wasn't able to make it down there, but... Sabres win 5-3 over the Ottawa Senators. And joining us now on the Wester Hotline to talk about it is Paul Hamilton. His appearances on WGR brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your future is about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide. And by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. Paul, without even the goals, I mean, obviously they add to it. 
Was that Tage Thompson's best game and the way he skated and the, the opportunities he had? Is that the, his best game of the season? Pretty close, but uh, there was one not too long ago. I think he had a four-point night uh, that he, he yeah, was pretty confident right. in and played pretty well in. I, other than the game before yesterday, which was not good at all, he wound up actually gotten take off, taken off his line. He's actually put together a pretty good streak here, you know, where uh, – He's got seven goals and five assists. I believe it's in eight or nine games. I'll, I'll look it up as I'm talking here. Um, yeah. 12 points in nine games. Yeah, seven goals and okay. five assists in nine games. So he's putting together a nice streak. And what was good about last night, he gets the two goals in two minutes and four seconds. It, w- it would have been another one of those periods where the Sabres played really, really well and left 1-1, you know, or left behind, mm-hmm. you know, which has happened so many times this year. But – uh, Corpusalo came in for the injured Forsberg, and Thompson scored on the first two shots on him. And and they were confident shots. You, you know how Darlene and Granado talk about swagger? He had that swagger. Yeah. You could tell as he was coming down, he knew he was going to score. That's that's He has this yep. demeanor about him where he's just, I'm ripping this puck and he's not stopping it type of a thing. And, and on both goals, you felt that way. And it gave them a three to one lead now going into the first intermission. Yeah, and obviously, I, the way I see it, you know, I, I wasn't at the arena last night. When he's moving like that, when he's playing like that, it just, it really obviously energizes everybody else. It feels like everybody else has confidence. We're getting the ball, the puck to Tage. They're moving it around. It seemed like there was a real good flow to that last night. But then what happened in the third period? How did they let the Ottawa Senators climb back in? Well, I never got the sense watching the game that they had lost confidence in their ability to win. But what happened is they they made a goofy play to start the period, and the, the puck was in the net before the one-minute mark. And then uh, they had double turnovers for the second goal, and same guy, Giroux, puts it in the net. And now it's now it's 4-3. to three. But they kept coming. I mean, they kept moving towards the Ottawa end. They kept trying to produce opportunities. There were a couple of tense moments at the other end where maybe pucks could have gone off sticks and they wound up going wide instead of in. And, you know, when it's 4-3, anything can happen. But uh, it just seemed to me like they at least never lost the confidence that they were going to hold on to win that game. But, you know, you're thinking, all right, now power takes a shot on the empty net, hits the post, you know, so that doesn't go in. So now, of course, you're thinking, well... It's going to be tied. Okay, there was their chance to, to, to get the empty net goal. But Dylan Cousins, who uh, made up for his turnover, uh, had a, other than that, had a, had a good game. But, uh, had, you know, came down, put a nice move on, got the puck out of the zone, made a nice move around the red line so he could basically walk in by himself on the empty net, and he iced it. Yeah, and, you know, I know they're one for three, I think, in the power play, but wasn't the, the first goal, I think, was scored right after the power play ended, so... It was kind of like a two for three because they had the same. They, they were on the rush. Special teams were good last night, right? I mean, they really did a nice job, especially in that last kill. After I'm not going to call it special teams, an extra man on the ice when uh, Ottawa pulled their goalie, but it seemed like that was a big helper last night. Yeah, uh, Kostelik. I took a look when the goal went in. I glanced over, and he wasn't even two steps onto the ice. So yep. it was yep. not technically it was not a power play goal, but you're right. It was a power play goal as the Ottawa man wasn't even close to being in the play. So and and that was good for the Sabers because they got a couple of guys, uh, Cousins and Paterka. I mean, I would probably say the last couple of weeks that's been their best line. But 
only mm-hmm. one of the three has been able to put the puck in the net. I mean, Cousins and Paterka right. have not been able to get the puck to the back of the net. As many chances they had, Paterka almost hit the post nightly, and he just couldn't get it in. And, you know, it was a good move by Cousins to make the play, perfect pass over Paterka, and he's able to put it in. And that had to be a load off his shoulders, the first goal in 13 games for him. And then Cousins also was in a slump, and the empty netter might be something that will help him also. Uh, but they were only in a slump, as I said, scoring goals. I, I really liked their games. Uh, they were right. winning battles. They were creating opportunities. They were in the offensive zone a lot. As I said, uh, most nights they were their best line. And how about shorthanded? Over uh, four in the power oh, yes. play for Ottawa. A nice job there, yeah, too. Especially in the second period when the Sabres took yeah. three penalties, and I was corrected by Don Granado. He said, we were given three penalties. So I got the idea. <laughs> I got the idea. He wasn't real thrilled with the refereeing, but he didn't. Like he didn't come out and say it. He just corrected me because right. I said, "Well, nobody, nobody wants to take three penalties in a period." He interrupted. We were given three penalties. <laughs> I said, "Okay," but That's back funny. to the point. The point was they did an excellent job of killing off those three penalties, and actually, Buffalo got a second period goal despite the fact they had to kill three penalties in the period. Right. But uh, Granado talked about they did a much better job of clocking the middle. That's why they had so many blocked shots. Ryan Johnson back in the lineup had six of them, and he felt they really defended well. And, you look, Sal, you look at the first 40 minutes, Ottawa, I don't even know if they had a scoring chance. I don't believe they did. I did not have one on my, in my notes that they even had a scoring chance. The goal they scored was just a long shot by Tarasenko through a screen. And that was it. And so that's how well the Sabres defended in the first 40 minutes. Now, it went a little haywire in the third, but uh, they it's very rare you'll go 40 minutes and not give up a scoring chance to the other team. I, I'm looking at the game logs. I, I could be wrong. It looks to me like the Sabres are, have killed 11 of their last 13 shorthanded opportunities. Yeah, they went to a spot where it seemed like the puck was going in the net almost every time they got a penalty. Yeah. They started the year really, really good, you know, where they were one of the top. They were the top penalty-killing team in the league to start mm-hmm. to start the year. And then it went off the rails a little bit. And now, you know, that that's, I think, where the biggest places where injuries came in. They lost Greenway. They lost Samuelson for a while. Uh, they lost Thompson. These guys were all on the penalty kill and doing a really, really good job with it. And, uh, you know, so those guys are all back now. And and you get Jack Quinn yep. back. I thought last year Jack Quinn and Alex Tuck were the best penalty killers Buffalo had. And, you know, so he is a big part of the penalty kill also. So you get him into the lineup where you never had him at all. And I think that, you know, maybe gave the bo- a little bit of a boost to the penalty kill also. So, but, uh, yeah, they were, they were flawless in the penalty kill uh, in, in, the, in that second period. As I said, I don't even – I did not have a scoring chance in my notes for Ottawa mm-hmm. for the full 40 minutes, which included those three power plays in the second period. Paul Hamilton on the West Her Hotline. How do they navigate the loss of Jeff Skinner for a while here, and how did they do that last night so well? Well, what they're going to do is reevaluate Jeff after a week. So we'll see where he's at. Uh, you know, when the week comes up, he'll probably get more imaging. It's a soft tissue issue. It's not a broken bone or anything like that or a sprain. 
So, uh, you know, Casey Middlestat was put on the wing. Jordan Greenway, who uh, Don Grinnell said has played some center before, not in Buffalo, but uh, he moved to the middle. I found it interesting, though, that they threw him at center and he never practiced it as a Sabre. I've been at all the practices this year. I've never seen him practice in center. But uh, that's what they elected to do, and I don't think he did a bad job. I mean, I was at the beginning of the game, I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're throwing him at center. You haven't practiced him there all year. But then I watched the game, and he wasn't bad. Matter of fact, he, mm-hmm. the players, elected him player of the game. You know, uh, Uko Pekalukinen had the saber sword uh, from the last win, and he presented it to Greenway, you know, after this. So nice. that's what, how the players felt about Greenway's game and how well he played. So, um, you know, he's got to get going a little bit. Uh, he he got to get more than three goals in 31 games out of him. You know, yeah. I, you hear me harp on that when you're – your bottom six guys, they have to produce something. They just can't go over the season. You know, same thing with Krebs. He finally scored for the first time in 13 games. But you're just, you're just not getting enough production out of those guys right now. And that's what I mentioned about Robinson when they acquired him. Last year he had 12 goals, 12 assists. Perfect. That's exactly what I would want out of a bottom six guy. Just somebody that can contribute a little bit. Uh, Gergensen's for the most part gets you get double figure goals he's around and he's on a pace this year if you take his take his pace over 82 games at 10 goals all right fine you know i i I'd, but I'd, I'd like to see at least guys who are playing in that bottom six to get to get into double figures paul they also need a better performance from devin levi the next time he's on the ice is that going to be tomorrow afternoon you would think they have a rotation going now he only had one bad game uh you know he had the, he had the game of his life before that probably his best game in the nhl against That's montreal correct. but he went home look at his two best games this year both when he went quote home he went home to boston where he played at northeastern mm-hmm. and won the bean pot tournament and has banners hanging from the arena there so he was excited about that beat the bruins three to one played very well and played even better when he went home for his first game in Montreal, which is his home, and gets a 6-1 to win out of there. Somehow I guess they got to convince him that he's coming home every time he gets at the <laughs> crease. Uh, you know, right. they got to figure out, all right, how can we convince him he's home or something like that. Uh, so, you know, that, and then, of course, he did not have a good game last time out against Seattle. A lot of his teammates didn't either. But... Uh, We'll see. I mean, we'll see what the coaching staff decides if they want to try. Think, all right, look at what Lukanen's done in three games. He has a 1.99 goals against and a 9.33 save percentage mm-hmm. with three wins. So, and, you know, in that time, Levi's played well at times also, but not as well as Lukanen. So he got the one of the best teams in the National Hockey League coming in in the Vancouver Canucks. And... Uh, <laughs> who just finished beating the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime last night. So, you, you know, you you look at that and you say to yourself, well, um, you know, do, it, would it be a good idea to, to you know, put um, – look at it. I lost his name in my brain for a minute here. Yeah. Interesting. I want to point this out because I, I – uh, Pierre Lebrun wrote an article about the Canucks today. And something I took out of that article, because the Canucks are so much better – than they were last year. And Jim Rutherford was talking. He, he is their their, pres, their president, I believe. And he was talking, and he said they, they had star and impact players, but they added a group of character guys that came from winning programs that fit their roles. There might be in the bottom six or penalty killers, 
but they do the things you do to need to win. That's exactly what Kevin Adams didn't do in the last offseason. He stayed with all the young guys, thinking they're all going to get better. Instead, all but Paterka regressed. And that's right there. That is, I'm, I, I saved that. I took a picture of it. And that is exactly what the Buffalo Sabres need to do. And that's why the Vancouver Canucks have gone from one of the worst teams in the NHL to one of the best. They have the talent, and they had it before. So do the Sabres. But they aren't built correctly. Now the Vancouver Canucks are built correctly. Canucks at Sabres tomorrow, 4 p.m. Of course, you can follow Paul Hamilton at pham1717, of course, WGR550.com. Before we let you go, you said convince Devin Levi is playing at home. Well, you can't move the games to Boston or Montreal. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Speaking of games being moved, games being canceled, times, all that. We've had such a discussion about the Bills and the report yesterday. Just want to make sure with you and clarify anything here on your end because we always monitor the weather and we know that you know people going down to the arena, things like that. There's been nothing as far as the Sabres time game status we've seen that happen but nothing like that with the storm coming that you've heard right correct and that was a great job by you to get the right information yesterday which i retweeted out right away too because the wrong information had been bouncing around and uh yeah so uh no there's been nothing talked about whatsoever uh the sabers have a practice scheduled for 11 o'clock on sunday which i had wondered if maybe they'd make it 10 o'clock to accommodate Mm -hmm. the players and the football game and that type of thing but the the reason normally I think they would have the day off if they would could have a morning skate on Monday before the game. But Monday's game is one o'clock, so they can't have right. a morning skate. Yeah. So they've got to practice that's on right. Saturday or on Sunday rather. I'm sorry. So uh, we'll see if that's affected by it or. But as far as the game goes tomorrow, no, nothing has been talked about at all. Feels like the Bills schedule here, Paul. You got a 4 p.m., you got a 1 p.m., you got a 12:30 next Saturday. They're all over the place with times here. <laughs> then you go, out, yeah. then you go out, out west, and we're gonna be watching at 10, 10:30 at night. Yeah, Monday afternoon game at one o'clock. That's you don't you don't run into those very often. <laughs> no, no, the holiday, of course, MLK Day, and they they do that. Right. Um, and they've they've had that traditional game here. But you're right, Monday. Let's remind everybody the Monday game is at 1 p.m. All right, Paul, we got to run. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay warm. Sal, just very quickly, I want to remind people too of our programming. We will be, you know, do, running our Bills programming on on Monday after a playoff game. Of course, we will. So we will be over yep. on the bet fifteen twenty with the Saber game. Great, great point. Thank you for the reminder, and I'll remind people later. Thanks, Paul. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Chuck and Jimmy, they got a couple stories about uh, winter games. So stay with me, guys. We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls, and then Sean McDermott after eleven a.m. here on WGR. All right, let's get to Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, a little after 11 a.m. We got Chuck and Jimmy who waited through Paul, and I appreciate that a lot. So go ahead, Chuck. You're on the air. All right, yeah, how are you? Good morning to you. You too. Thanks, bud. I do want to – yeah, I do want to tell you, uh, every, I listen to you every day, and uh, you are appointment radio. I do want to tell you that. So <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, what I have to say is um, the 2017 snow game, me and my son, he was 10 at the time. We were driving up just about the park, and all of a sudden he just starts screaming out in pain. Well, apparently one of his tooth came loose, and he was just, like, crying and, like, drooling all over the place. But we eventually get going, go up to the game. We get inside. It's snowing like crazy, as everybody knows. But we're down by the, the rock pile end zone. At halftime, they come out to warm up for the kicks. He got two footballs, and we had to give them back. 
Well, <laughs> I understand that those are kicking balls and they need to keep those, so I understand that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he got a towel out of it. And then after the game, after LaShawn came right at us and scored a touchdown, we yeah, go out to yeah. the game, out to the truck. I had lost my keys in the snow. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I lost my keys in the snow. Oh, my God. I was so mad. The only good thing is I had the key fob and we could get inside. But my sister had to drive from Forestville all the way up to the stadium to get me my extra key. <laughs> so, well, at least they won for you. It was a crazy game, but at least they won. I know. And at I least know. he got a towel to wipe off the blood from his tooth being knocked out. Uh, yeah. pulling out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, two good things happened out of that. I got the call in to work because I worked in Buffalo, so I wasn't driving from yep. Forestville to Buffalo. And me and my son had the memory of that. Oh, you got it, man, Chuck. That's awesome, buddy. Thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate you. Let's go to Jimmy in Miami. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, Sal. Hey, Sal, you probably know about this game, but back, I think it was 1982 or 83, there was this ridiculous snowstorm in New England. New England was playing the Dolphins, and it was snowing like crazy the whole game. Uh, you, You couldn't even see the field. They had snow plows that would come out and just, you know, clear the line so the referees and players could see where they were going. So anyway, it gets to the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. Ron Meyer was the coach. And um, yep. it, was, it was snowing so bad, uh, he gets the snowplow crew to clear where, where the kicker was going to kick. I think it was going to be a 35-yarder. So he clears the field. The, the kicker makes a kick. The, the, the Patriots go up 3 nothing. Now it's 3 nothing. Uh, the Dolphins end up losing the game. Shula complains like crazy to the NFL. Yep. I think maybe Tagliabue or maybe Roselle. So they, they instituted this rule. I don't know if they call it the Shula rule or the snowplow rule. So that's, mm-hmm. they, you can't use a snowplow to clear the field. That's why, if you remember last year when the Bills were playing in the snow, that's and right. Tyler Bass came out, and, and all these players came out, and they were sweeping the field with their hands. Remember? And then – and then, of course, he kicked the field goal and they won the game. But that's why, you know, you couldn't take a shovel out there or something like that and, you know, and shovel out the snow. But anyway, that was kind of crazy. It was. And I know it very well. I remember it. I was like 10 years old when it happened. And the guy's name, I'm looking at, was Mark Henderson, who got on top of the snowplow and he went out there. And here's the story about this guy. He was on parole. He was a convicted burglar, and he was working in the stadium as the snowplow operator. And then and Ron Meyer said, hey, come on out, and he cleared the path, and he's the guy that did that, and they went up kicking the winning field goal. Right. Only the Patriots it's amazing. pull that off, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right, and the, the rule did change. Thank you, Jimmy. Great memory. Great memory. And that's right. The, Patri- the, the rule is now you can't use like anything other than the hands and the way the bills were a couple years ago. Remember last year, um, Tyler Bass, yeah, what he's talking about, Tyler Bass kicking the field goal against Miami. Bills are wiping it down with their hands. You can't use, like, a a snowplow in that case. Great memory. Takes us to the 11 o'clock hour. Sean McDermott after that, after this timeout, I should say, here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.